Okay, if you've got a Bible, um, you can turn it to Luke chapter 19. That's where we're going to be today. Luke chapter 19. And we're going to be reading from the start of that chapter 19, but don't worry, they'll be on the screen um, for us to follow uh, if you don't. We always preach from the Bible on a Sunday morning, so uh, that's what we do if you're visiting us here this morning. And we're carrying on this series looking at uh, We Welcome, looking at how Jesus welcomed people and how he welcomes us. And how also we can be the welcome of God to our neighbourhoods, our communities, to our friends, to our families. See, remember, we welcome is one of our values, isn't it? Remember our values, our new values? We rejoice, we welcome, we inspire, and we go. See, in our society, I suspect having a value of we welcome as a church is not really something that people would associate with uh, church and with Christians. But it's so, so important, as we've been looking at over these last few weeks. And we're going to look at another encounter with Jesus this week. We're going to look at Zacchaeus. So, let's, let's read this passage together this morning and about this man named Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Okay, we need to remember that. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was sure, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people who saw this began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Wow. Okay, so whether you, I, don't know if you, you, I don't know if you know this or not. Maybe some of you have visited this. I'm not sure. But did you know that if you went to modern, uh, what is modern-day Jericho today, you could visit the Zacchaeus tree? You can. There's a place you can go, and some people think it's the real one that Zacchaeus climbed up. You can go there today. Some people just think it's kind of symbolic. Uh, uh, so I did what anyone would do when you can't actually go there yourself. I looked on TripAdvisor, the website that uh, reviews different uh, tourist destinations. And so I looked at a few um, reviews of the Zacchaeus tree in Jericho, and it was mixed. There were some five stars, 
This is what someone wrote. Five stars. To think that Jesus Christ actually spoke to Zacchaeus and asked him to descend from the same tree really blessed me. Others were just kind of half and half. Three-star review. Nice tree right in the centre of Jericho, which is a sweet town. Okay to visit, but not a must-see. And then you kind of get to the bottom of the reviews and you get to the one-star ones. This was one star. A severely pruned sycamore tree on the side of the road is a waste of time. Skip it. Don't go here. Stay away. Do anything else but visit this site. (laughs) Who knows if it's the real one? Uh, Who knows? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But, But it's good to remember, isn't it, that this is a real event that happened. Because Luke, in his Gospels, as he's writing his Gospels, starts it off by saying, I've carefully investigated all of these accounts. I've spoken to eyewitnesses and to friends, and I, I've, I've written an orderly account of the life of Jesus. Because if we're careful, it's kind of the account that kind of can become, and I don't mean this in any disrespect to our Sunday school teachers who are amazing, but it can kind of be the kind of story that stays Sunday schooled. Do you know what I mean? Where we don't grow up into the realness of the story, but it stays like this little happy chappy who couldn't see Jesus and found a tree to climb and climbed up. And he's a jolly little fellow. I think, where's Gavin? Oh, he's gone out. Oh, do you remember a few years ago, Gavin spoke on this passage and he said that in his school, he sang a little Zacchaeus song, this happy little chappy. Oh, he's coming back in now. Right, we'll just ask if he can come in, if he can sing this song. So as he comes in, Gav's going to sing the song that he used to sing at school <laughs> about Zacchaeus. Is that okay? No, 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 no. But, but, but it's the type of account that can stay like that with a, a, a pleasant sheen on it. And we miss the scandal of the encounter. And we miss the power of Jesus in this man's life. So let's look at it this morning. So we've got Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way and he's, he's passing through Jericho. And we've got Zacchaeus who's eager to see who he was, but he can't see because he's too short. But that is not his only challenge. See, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. In fact, we're told that he was like the chief tax collector. Well, why, why is that a problem? Well, if we're really honest, none of us, none of us delight in paying taxes, I can imagine, Despite them mostly being used for good, aren't they? You know, we could all acknowledge that, aren't they? They're used for things like education and health and police and all that kind of stuff like that. But no one is joyous about paying their taxes. But we can see their importance. But tax collectors in Jesus' day were very, very different. See, the Jewish land was ruled by the Romans. The Romans were occupying the Jewish nation. And the Romans, what they would do, their strategy was that they would heavily tax the places that they had conquered. Now, some of those things would be used for good, 
so people couldn't never say, what have the Romans done for us? You know, some of, them, some of those things, sanitation, roads, some of those things would be used for good. But most of it was to keep the emperor in power. Most of it was to keep wealthy Roman citizens in charge and living the life that they expect so that they can rule with an iron rod, keep a grip on their power. And they realized that if they placed a Roman official in that conquered nation to collect the taxes, they wouldn't know where to, they wouldn't know the ins and outs of the cities, they wouldn't know where to go, they wouldn't know where the money is. But if you put a local in charge, hey, they know the people. They know where the money is. They know who's making a bit of um, making, making business. They know who's got money. They know how everything works. That's a much better way. So the Romans would put a local in charge. In this case, it looks like it's Zacchaeus. And they would say, okay, this is how much we want you to collect. The rest is yours to keep. Plus, here's some Roman soldiers as well. Just make sure that you enforce it with them. You know, if someone doesn't pay their taxes, use those Roman soldiers to beat them up. Use those Roman soldiers to show them who's boss. Use those Roman soldiers to make sure that they pay. That might be your people. Might be your neighbour. Might even be your family. But do you know what? You're just going to have to get over that. So they were extracting huge amounts of money from the people. Zacchaeus was keeping what he wanted and then passing the rest to Rome. He's becoming rich off that. What does that do to a person? What does that make a person? Plus Jericho's on a trade route. That means there's loads of business passing through Jericho. So you're getting even more taxes. But if you were that person, if you were the chief of that person, how would everyone treat you? You're a Roman collaborator. You're a sellout. You're a traitor. And, and even in Jewish tradition, they had um, a saying that said... Uh, Tax collectors were so low that they didn't even have to be treated as humans. In fact, you, could, um, you, could, you were within your rights to lie to a tax collector. You were in right to break one of the Ten Commandments and lie because it's a tax collector. And you should consider everything that they have as stolen property. That's how sinful they looked at them. That's how rotten they thought they were. And that's Zacchaeus, chief tax collector. Yes, he's wealthy, but in the eyes of his community, he's the scum of the earth. So why wouldn't this crowd let him through? Because he was short? Well, not, not really, because actually if you're short, you can stand at the front. People can see over you. No, it's because they wanted absolutely nothing to do with him. Why would you? Why would you? 
So the next best thing, climb a tree, look from a distance. And, and so we don't really know why Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us if he had good motives. It doesn't tell us if he had bad motives. We don't know. But Jesus calls up to him and says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Let's not get... I just want to kind of just look at something here because I don't want to get complicated and look at lots of Greek stuff here. But it's useful to see that the language that Luke is writing in, the Greek, the word he uses for must is the same word that Luke records Jesus as saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and teachers of the law and he must be killed on the third day and raised to life. You know what? When Jesus says must, we know it's something big, something important. So this is Jesus. This is God come to earth. This is how, you know, as Raj um, uh, opened our meeting this morning with the one who is, is in heaven, train, the ro- train of his robe fills the temple. Holy, holy, holy. This is God come to earth. God in the flesh saying, I must come to your house. It's of heavenly importance, Zacchaeus. This is what the writer Leon Morris says about this. Jesus saw his visit to Zacchaeus as part of his divine mission. Why is it important? Because Jesus is drawing in Zacchaeus. He's welcoming in Zacchaeus. See, it's a powerful reminder to us that Jesus welcomes all sorts of people. He does. He he draws them in. It's not simply fingers crossed, hey, I hope someone gets kind of attached and uh, interested in this God thing and then maybe I'll have some followers. It's not, not, I, I hope those people in Jubilee, my followers in Jubilee are really good at representing me out in the world because if not, I'm stuffed. It's not how Jesus works. No, no, he is drawing people to himself, sovereignly. It's what he's doing. Listen, this is John chapter 6, verse 44. Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. See, that goes for you as well. It goes for you and me. It wasn't that I, you and I were the cleverest in the class and worked stuff out. It wasn't that you and I realized that we'd be better with Jesus. It wasn't our idea at all. Actually, God drew us drew us. He called us. It may have felt like we were working things out, but no, no, he was drawing you and me to be his. And do you know what? That should give us confidence that 2,000 years later, Jesus is still drawing people to himself. He is. He's drawing people to, to himself. People across Teesside. He's drawing people from all different backgrounds to himself. And do you know what? That should spur us on. It doesn't make us sit back and go, well, it's okay, we don't need to do anything. Jesus does it all. No, no, it spurs us on to share Jesus with the people we meet. Why? Because if God is drawing people, it's not my responsibility. It's not down to me. 
Therefore, I can do it all the more because I know he's drawing people. I can share my faith even more with joy and gladness and be super confident in sharing my faith with someone because Jesus is drawing men and women to himself. And do you know what? I believe God wants to release some of us today here. He wants to release us from the, fact that the thinking that it's all down to me. I've got to have all the arguments worked out, lined up. I've got to have all the answers. I've got to be really super confident and always really happy because if I'm not, someone might not come to Jesus. And I think he wants to release us and put a new confidence in us that God is drawing people to himself and he calls you and I to get involved and play our part and share our faith and talk about how good he is. It's wonderful. But not everyone was happy with Jesus' response. See, the rest of the people, they begin to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner, of a traitor, of a thief. See, they really didn't get Jesus' mission. They didn't get it. They thought, they thought Jesus, you, you come for the people who are at least trying to be good. The people who just need a little bit of help, a little bit of backup, just a little bit of encouragement so then we can get rid of those Romans. We can get rid of people like Zacchaeus. You come for that lot, for the ones who just need a little help. But Jesus says it in this passage. No, I've come to seek and save the lost. That includes everyone. That includes everyone. That includes even those people that I put a little box around and go, everyone but them. Jesus came for everyone, but not these ones that I put a box around. In this passage, Jesus is saying, no, no, there are no boxes. See, up to now, if you read the book of Luke, you might be thinking, okay, well, Jesus has not come... What Jesus is saying is in the kingdom of God, uh, the rich and the ruling types, the rich and the powerful, they're out, and the tax collectors and sinners are in. But actually, Zacchaeus ticks all the boxes. He's all of them. He's all of them. It's like Jesus saying in this one foul swoop, do you know there's no boxes? You cannot, you cannot, and we do this all the time in church, we box up, but not them. Jesus is saying there's no boxes. I've come, for, I've come for everyone. I've come for the lost. I've come for them to know, know me. And we so often box off who we think is and is not deserving. So I was really challenged as I prepared for this passage. The crowd stood in the way of Zacchaeus encountering Jesus. He couldn't get through. He couldn't, he couldn't get to Jesus because the crowd were there. And because of that, they were judging him. They had a judgmental attitude to him. How do I? I feel God say, how do I stand in the way of people? Are there times when my attitude is similar? Are there, people, are there people in Teesside where I say, come and experience the goodness of God, but not you? No, you've got to clean yourself up first. You've got to sort yourself out first. But you know what? The grace of God says, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. My grace reaches out to you. 
I've come for the lost. I've come to save you. I've come to rescue you. I've come to find you. That's why you, you might often hear people say that Christianity isn't a religion. It's not a religion. See, every religion in the world says that here's the way to God. Here's the way to salvation. Here's the way to happiness. Here's the way to a fulfilled life. Now, now, just do these things to get there. Just, just get these things sorted first and you'll get there. But grace and the message of Christianity is here is salvation come to you. That's why he says to Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this household. Here is salvation come to you. It's coming to you as a gift, as a free gift. And that's what we see in this encounter. See, when we see that we all need God's grace, we become better welcomers. We do. When we see that none of us have earned anything from God, none of us just needed a little bit of extra help to get to God, that we were lost as the next person. But in his grace, he saved us and he made us his. That makes us better welcomers. It does. Jubilee, let's be, the, let's be that welcome of God to those around us. Let's point people to Jesus. Let's, let's make a way through the crowd to Jesus. Then to finish. See, one of the most amazing things about God's grace is that it turns lost people into children of God. So Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. This man too is a son of Abraham, Jesus says. It just means that he's part of the family of God. Abraham was one of the, the, the forefathers of the Jewish faith. And what, what Jesus is saying is, look, he's, he's, he's part, Zacchaeus, you become part of the family of God, family of faith. Seeing part, being part of the family of God means we get caught up in the family mission. See, Zacchaeus started that day with a very different mission, didn't he? He started the day maybe even thinking, I'm going to fleece a load of people out of money. I'm going to collect the taxes that I need and a little bit for myself, and I'm going to make myself more wealthy. Maybe. I'm going to take stuff out of the neighborhood. I'm going to draw wealth from the community. And how does he end the day? He ends the day giving half his possessions to the poor and saying, if I've robbed anyone, I'll give them four times the amount back. It's a turnaround. Jesus, Jesus records, look, Jesus records in, in um, sorry, Luke records Jesus' mission statement in Luke chapter 4. And we know this well because it means a lot to us here in Jubilee. In fact, it's part of who we are. It's part of our DNA, isn't it? The... the um, Jesus' mission statement in Luke chapter 4 when he, he quotes the book of Isaiah and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is Jesus saying, hey, I'm here and I'm fulfilling this Old Testament promise. I'm fulfilling it in my coming. What's happened to Zacchaeus? He has got caught up 
in Jesus' mission, hasn't he? In, in the way he's responded, in all that he's done, in his changed life. He's got a new purpose. And it's come by receiving grace. It's come by being made a son. Not by following rules, not by cleaning himself up first. So it's interesting. Jewish law had um, uh, rules about, and we can read about this in the Old Testament, it had rules about if you've stolen money or taken money um, in, a, in a, um, a wrong way off someone, there's a way of paying it back and there's a, an amount you have to pay back. But Zacchaeus goes above and beyond this. He goes, no, no, four times the amount I'm giving back to people if I've done it, if I've taken from them. And he doesn't do it begrudgingly. It's not like, oh man, I've got to do this. I have to do this. He does it with joy. He says, look, behold, Jesus, this is what I'm doing. He's very glad to do it. He's caught up in Jesus' mission. Listen, whatever your background, whatever my background, Jesus has brought us together, made us sons and daughters. He's welcomed us in so that we can be a blessing to our community, just like Zacchaeus was, to be a blessing to our neighbourhoods. See, he takes a man like Zacchaeus and by his grace he transforms him to be a blessing to his community. That is what he's done with us. He's taken us. He's taken us, a people like us, and he's transformed us by his grace to be a blessing to our community. Exactly the same. Jesus is on a mission in this world. You read it, that Isaiah 61 mission. It doesn't simply come by doing good projects, running good groups. We, we run, we, we're involved in all sorts of action and groups and projects and praise God for them, but it simply doesn't come by doing good things. It comes by changed hearts. It comes by lives being changed by his grace. People passionate for Jesus. Passionate and amazed by all that he has done. One writer puts it like this. See, the Old Testament law said that any, anyone was cursed if they were hung on a tree. If, they, if, they, if that was their death, that they were hung on a tree, they were cursed. It was a shameful way to die, Old Testament law said. You, it was utter rejection. You were utterly despised. You were cursed if you were hung on a tree. If that's the way you died. You, you were hung, in one way, you were hung for everyone to see. Everyone could see your shame. Everyone could see your condemnation. You're cursed. But get this. So, so Jesus calls Zacchaeus down from a tree, down from shame, down from rejection, down from condemnation, knowing that soon he would be lifted up on a tree, on a wooden cross, to experience rejection, to experience condemnation, to experience shame. Not because he deserved it, but so that we didn't have to. So that's the beauty of the gospel. He calls us down and he takes our place.
and he goes to the cross in our place. It's wonderful good news. It's wonderful good news to be passionate about, to be grateful about, to be thankful about, to respond in love about. This is how Paul records it in Galatians 3.13, just so you know I'm not making this up. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, and then he quotes the Old Testament, cursed is anyone who is hanged on a tree. That's grace. That's what changes lives, what Jesus did for you and me. And that's why he sends us back out into the world to be the welcome of God. Listen, as we apply all this this morning, all this stuff about welcome, listen, it might not always be the people on the extreme edge that you meet, like Zacchaeus. It might not be. It might just be someone who is a bit different to you. It might just be someone who dresses a bit differently. It might just be someone who talks a bit differently, speaks a bit differently, goes to a different school to you. We're called, do you know what? We're called to welcome them into our community and be the welcome of God. But I do also believe that increasingly God is calling us and calling churches across Teesside, I believe, to be the welcome of God to those on the margins, to those on the edge, to those that have been boxed off. And it looks like the church says, you know, yes, but not you. I believe God's calling us to the edges, calling us to make a way through the crowd. And do you know what? He's going to use you and he's going to use me. Listen, we're going to, we're going to sing a song together and then we're going to respond in prayer. Um, so I'd love the band to come up if they can and just lead us and then I'm going to ask them just to quieten down at one point and then we're going to pray because I think there's a few things I want to pray into. I want to pray just as they come, just let's, let's keep with this. I want to pray for a couple of things. I want to pray that perhaps you're here this morning and you feel like you're looking at Jesus from a distance. Perhaps you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, but you know you, you, you haven't made that decision to follow him, to receive him, to receive his forgiveness, but you're looking from a distance, up a tree as it were. Today's the day. Today's the day that Jesus is calling to you. He wants you to receive him. You can do that this morning. We'd love to talk to you about that. You can do it as a response in this song. But also I believe God wants to fill us with faith for those people in our lives that seem far off. They may not be as far off as Zacchaeus, but to us they seem far off. Seems like a real miracle is needed for them to come to Jesus. It might be family members, it might be friends, it might be work colleagues. Listen, I believe he wants to give us fresh faith to believe that he's drawing people amongst us. So I want us to pray for people like that this morning. Can we stand? Let's sing together and then we'll bring just some, some clarity in terms of how we're going to pray.